0: Hello folks, welcome back to the High Performance Human Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Ward. Firstly, thank you so much to Jonathan Kitto, whose generous donation has covered the costs of this week's podcast. Jonathan, the episode is dedicated to you. It's over five years now since we started the podcast, and during all that time we've managed to do so without any adverts. And I'd like to continue in this manner But the costs of producing the weekly podcast are growing annually. So if you're interested in making a one-off or a regular donation to the podcast to help cover those costs, in return, I will dedicate that episode to you. And we can avoid the issue of having any adverts on the show. You can also find a link to the donation page in the show notes, or you could email beth at the triathloncoach.com for further details. So you probably already know this, that my podcast, my website, my regular newsletters all focus on the goal of helping you to achieve peak human and athletic performance by interpreting the science and then I translate it into easy to understand lessons. So if you enjoy this podcast, you might like to know that I've created a membership program which allows me to provide more in-depth, exclusive content and programs so that you can take your performances to the next level. And at the end of the episode, I will explain these benefits in more detail and let you know how you can join our growing tribe. So this week, my guest is an old friend, Dave Algio. In fact, it's what we call a joint podcast. He invited me to be a guest on his show. And as with such an interesting conversation, I also agreed to share the chat on mine too. Dave wanted to talk with me about how lifestyle choices can impact sleep, but also how better sleep can have a positive impact on lifestyle choices. It's always nice catching up with an old friend, so I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. So let's hear from Dave and me, of course, chatting together.
1: Now then, Simon, it's great to have you back on the podcast and uh, have a catch up. How's things with you and what have you been up to recently? Obviously, there's a reason why we want to specifically dive into uh, a particular topic area, but I thought just catch up. What have you been up to? Well, firstly, Dave, thanks for inviting me back, and secondly, congratulations on getting to a hundred—the
0: milestone. That's a that's a nice um, nice thing to achieve, isn't it? And yeah. uh, you know, you've got a hundred under your belt now. And um, when you were starting off, you probably thought, "Oh, I'd be all right if I can get to fifty or so." Here that's... you are now, and probably thinking about the next milestone of two hundred or half a million downloads.
1: <laughs> that would be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be good.
0: Well. Little Acorns and all of that sort of stuff, you know. I bet Joe Joe Rogan probably started somewhere like us.
1: Yeah, well, hope, well it'd be lovely to even get a tenth of his numbers, wouldn't it? But, uh, There you go.
0: Well, I'd like a tenth. I'd, I'm not bothered about the numbers. i just like a tenth of the contract he has with Spotify.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be cool as well, yeah. <laughs> mm. So, what have you been up to then? What's What's been going on in your world? Um,
0: well, where were we last time? I think I was probably studying... Deep health and recovery and sleep. Um, so I've finished that now. I'm still doing the triathlon coaching, which I think we probably touched on before. But I'm really trying to integrate the um, sleep coaching and the nutrition into that, so I can give a much more holistic, um, uh, holistic approach to clients. You know, mm. uh, because it does it doesn't matter whether you want to be the best husband, the best you know business owner, or the best podcast host you need to be on top of your game don't you and it doesn't matter uh, you can be super fit but um off your game if your mental health's not right and, you know from your all of the stuff you've done with stress it doesn't matter how fit you are if you're stressed out that that affects that affects your mental well-being as well doesn't it so um you know good sleep seems to be the foundation for all of those and then if you get if you get good sleep everything in your life seems to be a lot better so focusing a lot more on sleep um yeah. trying to trying to live 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 my life uh, as well as well as I try and teach it really yeah so yeah i mean it does it does make a difference and i notice in my own mood that if i don't sleep very well then i'm, I'm always a bit more grumpy and make the wrong decisions pizza not salad that sort yeah. of thing
1: yeah no i think i think that's a good point as well and and um i think I don't know. As I'm getting older, it becomes more important, particularly with the training I'm doing. So at the minute, I'm I'm training for a marathon in October, the Kielder Marathon, as well as sort of fit and CrossFit around it. And that 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 sleep, um, I can tell so much when it isn't, when it's either crap or just not. Mm. Crap, you know, uh, it makes such a difference, not just in the training, but just in how I feel through the rest of the day.
0: Yeah, well, is it, there's so much there's so much research data about. Um, about sleep and the benefits of sleep not not just for your day-to-day performance but chronic health um how you you know how you set, set yourself up for old age you know um prevention of things like alzheimer's um and that sort of stuff so you know it's it's not about whether you can wake up tomorrow having a good night's sleep and that's important but it's about how you can set your how you can set yourself up for dealing with old age
1: better, which is, you
0: know, whether we, whether we faced up to it or not, it's coming to all of us at some point.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 You're right. And I, I often talk about setting, you know, the lot of work I do is, is around preparing sort of, sort of maximizing midlife and beyond because it is with that eye on the future, isn't mm-hmm. it? That but, but the, yeah. What we do now not only compare dividends now, but it's also about having that the dividends or, or the payback in the in the future. But you mentioned before we get into the sleep thing because I want to do, do deep dive. You mentioned deep recovery, the study of the deep recovery, etc. Mm. So, what what does that particularly yeah. mean?
0: Uh, well, most if you if you talk to most people who are training for a sporting event, so you, you're doing a marathon event. I'm sure a lot of people have been focused on the London Marathon, which was last mm. weekend. Yeah, and. So, if you ask them about their recovery, they'll say, "Yeah, yeah, I have, I have rest days. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm get my carbohydrates and my protein in immediately afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I do a bit of stretching." Um, but you can get so much more out of your recovery if you focus on it a little bit more, and that then in turn will then enhance your um, the way in which your body adapts to training. So you can eke a little bit more out of every session you do, rather than just trying to do more sessions. So. For example, um, we could we could all take five minutes out of our day to lie on the floor and do some, you know, on a yoga mat in a quiet place and do some breathing and some deliberate, what you call deliberate practice for breathing. And there's there's several different techniques that you could use for that. And I'm not necessarily talking about the ones that have been publicised widely around Wim Hof, although those work, um, but, but there's a lot of stuff that, um, around just, you know, you breathe in for four, you hold your breath for four, you breathe out for four, you hold your breath for four. And so it's sort of like forming the shape of a box. Or you can, you can breathe in for four and breathe out for five. You can breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. You can breathe through pursed lips and that, that pressure helps. You can do 30 of those. Um, but it's a deliberate breathing practice that helps to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is around um, rest and digest, rather than the fight or flight that we seem to, most of us seem to be in big most of the time because of this sort of constant connectedness so disconnecting from disconnecting from your computer for an hour a day um is a a simple thing that you can do but then when you disconnect maybe it's a good it's a nice sunny day out here today now i'm sat i'm sat by a window so i'm getting the best light in this room but it's not particularly bright Mm. although you wouldn't know from my background um Mm. But if you if you use a little lux meter that you can easily download for your phone, put that next to your face by the window and see that you've got 500 lumens, which is the light measurement. And then go and stand outside the other side of the window, a few feet away, and see that there's 10,000 lumens because the sun's shining. And even on a dull day, the light outside is so much brighter than the light indoors. So getting outside for five or ten minutes, um, if you've got the opportunity, um, and where I am today, this you know, fifteen minutes away, there's there's a walk in the woods so just walking in the woods not listening to your phone not listening to your music just just listen to the birds connecting with nature observing what's going on the the, the japanese call it forest bathing um mm. take taking time to just spend some time with loved ones even you know if, if you haven't got if you haven't got a partner then but you've got a pet then cuddling with your favorite dog or cat um helps if you've got a loved one then just sort of sit and hold hands with them or give them a cuddle so that all of these things sort of activate this relaxation part of our uh, uh, part of our body and help us to get into a better recovery state Um, and you know if we I know we're going to talk about sleep in a minute but one of the best things you can do in the morning is to rather than getting straight onto your phone um, is to spend a bit of time looking after yourself and then go outside and get some daylight as soon as possible which helps to um, helps the body to, body to produce the hormones that are then sort of released later on in the day to help you sort of fall into a deep sleep. So all of those little things um, we probably miss out on today because we're rushing around from A to B. Um, and if you can take those mi- little mini breaks in, in your in your daily routine, then um, they all contribute in a small way to um, getting better recovery. Um, and then I know some of the stuff you do, you know, mental health, um, Having a purpose in life, understanding where you fit into the big scheme of things, you know, feeling like that you're not just adrift in the sea and understanding that, you know, you have got a role to play in the world, whatever it is. And, um, you know, knowing where you're at, um, all of those things can help us to be calmer and um, deal with life's, life's challenges.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot in there. There's a couple of things that you've mentioned that I'll just try and back up on that, that I think is really important. The one thing you said about get off your devices, don't go out for a walk, don't listen to anything and don't listen to music or whatever. That's something that it, it, over the last six, eight months, I've particularly focused on doing myself as, as a, as a practice because I found that I was always having either something I was either talking out, meeting people, interacting, or stuff was going in and mm that that was really hard to break the habit at first it was almost like it was a compulsion to put some music on our podcast or something when I started to break it I found just that there was a and I still could slide it back but that that just no input can be really powerful and just allowing your head to just mm. almost like a settling process I call it mental filing and I think that's really important so so when, when you talk about that that's not that's not just the mental filing but it taps into that parasympathetic the relaxation side that you're talking about there is that mm. yeah yeah
0: yeah Yeah, yeah. It just it just helps, you know. When when you're when you're in fight or flight modes, which is a sympathetic nervous system, you're creating cortisol, adrenaline. And now, if you're in the caveman times, I know you used to talk about this a little bit when you did your your sort of uh, stress head course. Um, you know, you've got to go out and either hunt food or you get chased down by the saber toothed tiger, and then you've got to go back to your cave and relax, haven't you? Well, that's that's a sort of rest and digest. And it was very simple back in those hunter gatherer times. You're either collecting food or or you're sort of protecting your family, or building, building a new shelter, or you're just recovering and resting. Um, and it's for for a lot of bat, birds and animals. That's all they're doing. Isn't it? They're either. It's it's fairly binary for us as humans because we're so intelligent. We've learned to be more creative with our time. But the problem is that now we've filled it with too much, and we need to maybe simplify things a little bit.
1: Yeah yeah that's such a good point isn't it the space between because i mean i i'm kind of i'm going to use you as me as as the opportunity now to sort of pick your brains about this because one of the things last Mm -hmm. year with um i've I've started i'm in week two of the marathon training but last year sort of training for a crossfit competition which was back in february i think if, if i remember rightly now um and what i intended to do was sail through the crossfit competition straight into picking me running up earlier and there was almost a, a, an over, there was a lag before tiredness really, really hit me for a few weeks. And it was a bit of a lesson because obviously I'm all or nothing. Yes, I've got the purpose, the direction, all that kind of thing, but I'm very good at filling time and driving myself. And I, I guess that's something that you'll find with a lot of the the athletes that you work with, is that drive that can be, it's really important but some, but can undermine them as well because they're not taking that time. So what you know, in that sense, uh, you, what would you kind of recommend for somebody? I guess like me, who I'm not, I'm not top level by a long shot. I'm very, very amateur, very low level, but very prone to pushing myself too much. Um, and mm-hmm. having one challenge, then moving on to another, and you know, I, I recognize now that I needed just some downtime. You know but I had to go through it to learn that what would you suggest and how would you sort of approach that if you had a a client in that situation
0: well after every after every big event I think you need some decompression time mentally and physically right um you know you 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 take out a goodwill loan when you train for an event in some way you take out a loan on everything don't you you and and all loans have to be paid back so you you take out a loan against your future fitness, and you use a lot of extra resources to build up that fitness. And perhaps there's there's some fatigue that you create that, on a surface level, you get rid of the muscular fatigue, and you think, right, I'm not sore now. But there's the sort of central nervous system fatigue, and the other, and the, the, you know, all the other systems in the body that are getting overloaded a bit. So ideally, a pro a program would have little mini breaks in there anyway. You know, a day off here, a, an easy day there, some active recovery, some deep, you know. Some attention to a a specific recovery day, which is focused on all those things we mentioned a few minutes ago about the deep recovery. And then you would have a deliberate um, post event recovery time where you become an ex athlete. Um, And that's uh, right, you have to turn your back on being a CrossFit athlete or a runner and you have to become an ex athlete. But that's the time when you become a partner again, a husband, a father, a son, a friend. Um, and you do all those things that are perhaps taking a back seat so you take out when I talked about the goodwill loan you you maybe take out a goodwill loan from your you other half and you say right I, I'm I'm going to be focused on this for a bit so I might not be as attentive as I am on household chores on cooking or you know telling you how much you mean to me, but then I'm going to repay it all back and we're going to have a weekend away. So there's, you know, you repay that loan, you, you repay the loan to your friends if perhaps you've not seen them as much, maybe some work colleagues that you've asked to take the slack for you while you've been focusing really hard. Um, and and you allow all of those other systems in the body to recover and recharge because the muscular system is is what most people use as the indicator. And, you know, you're going to be a bit sore after a CrossFit competition, but then i know most people think well i'm not sore anymore so that means i can start training but other systems in the body take a little bit longer to recover and mm. um, and then and then the next question to people is well how will i know when i've recovered and and that, that's a really difficult one but you'll know you'll know when you start chomping at the bit to get back to training you'll know when you you really feel like you've got boundless energy and you want to get on with stuff and then you should perhaps give it another week and then sort of you know really feel like you're a caged tiger and get back into things um and start now that doesn't mean you can be that doesn't mean you completely inactive during that period of time because um you know particularly for folks of our age and older um you lose your fitness very quickly as well so you don't you don't want to be inactive but you might want to do some different activities you know some some low level activity so you can go walking i i love paddle boarding and or gentle kayaking is something easy cuz you can just roll on down the river or across the lake you know you can look at different things you can use your body in a different way um things like yoga and that sort of stuff gentle bike rides with friends things things where it's not a training session so you're not recording stuff you're just going out and being active having fun um and then you get back in back into the next thing and that's what gives you the longevity and you find all the best athletes the best at, they're best at sleeping and they're best at recovering
1: as well yeah yeah, I can see that I did none of that. <laughs> and, I, and I love well, the analogy of the loan, um, you take out lawn against it, because y- you do that physically, but you also do it mentally, because there was the stress of like, I hope it goes well, you know, blah, 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 mm-hmm. distraction, all of that. And then coming out of it thinking, as you said, you know, I had a beer on the night, uh, chilled out the next day, mm-hmm. and pretty much didn't give any thought to it. Thought, right, when am I going to start this marathon training? And it was, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, since then, it's been a couple of months, but like, Back then I had the ambition of, right, I'll start sooner rather than later so that I can get ahead of the game for the training. Mm -hmm. And I I love that idea of it being alone because it kind of then stops you to make you think, hang on a minute, no, there is a bit of a debt to pay back here in a lot of respects. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think also that if you want to have the longevity that that you're probably talking to your Um, clients about and I talk to mine about a lot that you and I we love doing these things that's why we do them and most of the people I work with and that you work with love doing them as well Um, but I've also worked with people who've perhaps had things taken away from them you know somebody that's had a knee replacement loves running but being told by the surgeon well shouldn't really run again and that's really difficult for them to deal with folks who um, like riding the bike but maybe they've pushed on too hard they've hurt the back and now it's uncomfortable for them to ride the bike and so they can't do it and that was that was their love um and the thing that they really enjoyed you know whether it was social or for fitness and so if you want to be able to do the things that you're really passionate about when you're 10 years on so you know for me when i'm 70 i want to be doing the things that i am now same might be for you and so you know you have to again that sort of forward planning like you would do with your physical pension is what do I have to do now to enable me to do that then? And if you want to run your body down and completely smash it up, smash your body up, run it down and wear it out, yeah. Not recovering after all of these big events is an easy way to reach burnout. But if you want to extend the amount of time you're gonna be able to do this stuff, then you have to build recovery in with the hard stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um and then then we can still be having this conversation in twenty thirty-three.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would be good. That'd be uh, a visit revisit number, whatever, on the podcast. No, that'd be cool. Yeah, uh, and I think you're right because I'm still now, although it's a good few months, and I did, I did lay off and ease off and what have you. I'm kind of finding that getting back to the train, and I'm having good days and not so good days. Mm. Energy's high and low, so there's that peaks and troughs. So I'm quite, I'm not there mm. yet. Do you know what I mean in terms of where I was? Perhaps a couple of months or three months before the the. The competition last year so I, I i could i can get that so I, I i kind of what i'm taking from that is to you know recovery i've still got to factor in that recovery now you know and perhaps if i'm focusing on the run and train and just drop the crossfit down to to something maintenance level or something like that i don't know but to give me that time so before we get into sleep one of the things you, you mentioned there was the nutrition how, how would the nutrition factor into that side of things you know the the recovery side and just general well-being
0: well i mean it's a huge subject we could probably have a whole podcast on nutrition and it's there's also a lot of opinions out there about what's the best way i think the best advice i've heard about what's the best way is the one that works for you Mm. so i'm fairly agnostic on whether people should follow a particular nutrition philosophy let's call it um you know if you i like eating red meat I make sure I get good quality red meat, grass-fed beef, that sort of thing, you know, and I go and buy it at the local butcher and he can tell me which farm it comes from. He probably can tell me which herd it's come from. And I, I eat, and I like to eat good quality food. Um, but equally, if somebody wants to follow a vegan or vegetarian route or, you know, um, a pescatarian where they're only eating fish, you know, I've no I've no objection to that as long as it's working for them and it's sustainable for longer than a few months. Um, so a a lot of athletes think about food as fuel and they think that as long as they're getting the fuel in and getting the carbohydrates in but you know there's there's also food for health and a healthy body and I think what we've got to look at is what's going to happen to us in when we are in our 50s 60s and 70s you know the body when you've had a body that you've been using and it works efficiently when, when, when you're in your teens and your 20s, but the body that you've been using is then, you know, it's like a machine that's been operating for 40 or 50 years, things start to become less efficient. So you might not realize that you're developing um, and turning into a pre-diabetic because you've got a fondness for sugar. But as an athlete, you probably think, well, that's okay. I need carbohydrates and I can get away with it because I'm pretty lean and you know I'm not I'm not overweight. Um you you might be developing a high cholesterol reading, and so that that could be something to do with your diet. You could be developing heart problems. You could be developing all sorts of metabolic disorders that you you can run away from when you're thirty, but perhaps can't run away from when you're fifty. Mm. So I think I think um, and and there's a lot of evidence now about how the body performs if you put if you put the right sort of food in it. So there seems to be some simple rules that most of the experts are aligned on. Um, you need to get the right quantities of protein, a carbohydrate and fat in your body. Carbohydrate provides you with energy. Fats are like the lubrication and the rebuilding cells. Protein's the real rebuilding. You need to get good sources of those. If you're going to eat carbohydrates, try and eat ones that are not high in sugar. and certainly not high in refined sugar. If you're going to eat proteins, make sure it's good quality proteins. And if you're, if you have chosen to go down the vegetarian and vegan path, then it's important to understand and educate yourself on what the alternative sources of protein are to eating meat, meat and fish. Um, and they are, there are, you know, despite what the carnivores will tell you, there's plenty of good sources of um, vegetable proteins, um, but, but it just requires education. Mm. And then I think we ought to educate ourselves on the fact that fats are good for us, not bad for us. Um, obviously, if you're having trans fats and industrial seed oils there, probably not very healthy but you know if you have olive oil on your stuff and and the, um and then the fats that come in in vegetables and, and nuts so things you get in avocados things you get in nuts um things you get in eggs and dairy products there's, there's nothing wrong with those and so the, the overriding rule for that is buy real food prepare it yourself enjoy eating food rather than nutrients um if you're training hard for a marathon, then maybe taking a few more carbohydrates. Um, but but you don't need to eat too many. Um, if you're eating the right sort of foods and you're exercising regularly, your body weight will take care of itself. Um, and I definitely wouldn't going on a I definitely wouldn't recommend going on a calorie controlled diet at about the same time as you're training for a marathon or an Ironman, Man because your body needs food and you're trying to restrict food and that's just going to create more stress. Yeah. Um, so, just just eat real food um, and exercise regularly. And your body, y- y- your body will look after itself.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And, and from my point of view, it is about. Well, there's a couple of things there. One is that the recovery side, because obviously, as I've realised particularly over the last few months, the tiredness is a factor. There's a few things I need oh. to do. It's just to get that more and right. But I think you're right. So, so more natural, <coughs> enjoy food because one of the things that I find is well, I think it's about you know. Uh, Particularly, a lot of clients who come come to me, uh, they kind of have a lot of baggage around this diet word, and the diet word mm-hmm. means restriction, and it's kind of how can you mm-hmm. reframe it? Because there's, you know, if you are trying to lose a little bit of weight, then then there's inevitably you're going to restrict a certain amount in some ways. You know, got to be careful how much, etc. But how do you reframe it so that you feel a bit more positive, or you can t- change your relationship with food? And I think that's one of the big challenges, isn't it? And that enjoying food. It, I, mm. It can be a challenge for some, but it's certainly certainly a journey I've been on in learning that actually, if I enjoy my food, get more out of it, and make nice food, enjoy it, it feels more satisfying. It's more, it's better for my well being, my mental well being, as much as anything. Mm. Less prone to the other side of it—the the, the the spring back, the restriction, you know, the binging or the, the eating the absolute crap that I don't really actually enjoy when I think about it. You know, I just shove it in your mouth mindlessly, that kind of thing. I think I
0: think what you find also is and I've seen this with a lot of people um, and and it's quite public when you see these competitions, like the biggest loser um, mm. and the sort of like the, uh, the slim fast challenge winner that's, you know, lost 20 stone this year. But then if you go back in a couple of years and find out the majority of these people put the weight on, because the body seems to have a set point and and you fight hard to lose that weight. But, but then you feel hungry, constantly hungry, even if you feel like you're right, eating the right things, because the body's sort of saying, I want to get back. Don't want to I don't want to be scared of a famine. I need to store up to make sure I've got the resources. Um you're right, you're absolutely right about things like diet, because I know you've probably seen this. That when people talk about diet, it's by it's it's almost like this mindset of a short-term restriction. So all I need to do is I, I could just I could just stop doing this for two months until I've lost this weight and then I can go back. So there's there's not really been a change of habits. Mm. Um and it's about a temporary fix. But actually, if if we reframe and take away the time elements, because for most people, I don't know if you've found this, Dave, but I find that most people, they don't wake up one morning and find out they're two-stone overweight.
1: No.
0: Um, it, it comes on slowly over a period of months or years. And if you could just reverse that in the same manner and be patient enough to to lose it over that same time in reverse, it will be so much easier. And the, biggest, the big culprits are the hidden calories, the biscuits – the cakes, the chocolates, the fast food, the, the processed foods that have got all the little things in that make us want to eat more of them. And, and, you know, the food companies, are in they're cynical, almost wicked in the way in which they sort of chemically engineer these things to make us want to eat more. And they know exactly what they're doing and, and why they're doing it. And its it's not about our health, even though the product says healthy. It's about their profit margins and their shareholder returns. It sounds like I'm going on a bit of a rant now about big food companies, but um, you know, eat, eat eat local vegetables and um, you know, uh, seasonal produce, and you can your health will pretty much take care of itself if you can avoid all the junk.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, You're. That's a
0: simple. For, it's, a, it's a simple formula. It just goes against everything that Western societies throwing
1: at us. Yeah, and potentially years of habits combined with a busy life, stress. So it's kind of shifting that relationship. Mm. I think that's a that's a big part, and it, it's a journey I'm on as well. You know, it, it, you know, I'm certainly not, by no means fixed with it, but even things like. So we get a takeaway tonight, and then if we don't, and we make something, we say we we invariably say, "God, please, we didn't that. I really enjoyed that." And it's mm-hmm. that difference, isn't it, between the 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 more pro, higher processed food than the, than this homemade thing, which you know we've kind of pulled together, and it's a bit simple, etc. And it's just really tasty. But it takes a bit of time to shift that, and 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 I think that reframing it is really important. I guess for for me, I'm thinking about that from the recovery perspective rather than yeah yeah cutting down. Um, particularly as I'm going uh, going to be sort of increasing the mileage as I go for the week. So it's becoming even more important to make sure that what I eat is really mm-hmm. good and enjoyable <laughs> because I do love my food, you know? So, yeah.
0: Well, when you, you know, if you, if you have all of those things I've just mentioned as the basic rules, if if you're going out and running for less than an hour and it's just one of these steady runs that's just filling the volume in your program, you probably don't need to be too focused on having recovery food there and then um it's always a lot easier to eat the right foods if you've got them in the house Mm. so if you have junk food in the house you can guarantee it will get eaten at some point usually when you're at a low ebb sometimes when you come back in from a training session and you're looking around for something to eat because you feel a bit peckish and guess what there's this cake there or something um so when you come back from those longer sessions where you know you're going to be a little bit fatigued, your defense are going to be low, and you're probably going to want to eat. I found that a really good strategy is to is to make something up before you go out. So maybe, I mean, it might be leftovers from a previous night, you know, some wild rice with some um with some bolognese sauce or something, or some meat sauce, or you know, something else. It might be some. Um one thing I like to do, particularly in the summer is get some um fruits frozen fruits um make my own make my own sort of granola with some nuts and seeds um put that in and and some oats wild oats put put that into the bowl on top of the um, fruit and let it all marinate together layer some Greek yogurt on top, sprinkle a few chia seeds in there and maybe add a bit of peanut butter for some extra protein and then just leave that in a bowl in the fridge let it all sort of sink in together, go off for your two-hour run and come back, and then you've got your food ready mm. for you to eat. Mm. Um, my wife's making sourdough bread now, so if if she puts that on on a Sunday morning and we go out and do our training and come back, we've got a freshly baked, homemade, fermented sourdough loaf, which we'll have with some scrambled eggs and uh, avocado, or maybe we'll have some uh, peanut butter on it. Mm-hmm. So, you, you you know, that's that's one trick is is to do that. Another one is to plan your meals ahead and then look at your training schedule and think, right, so these are my key sessions for the week. So I'm going to plan my meals around those days, either what I'm going to eat the night before or I'm going out for a long run, so make sure you have a higher carbohydrate meal, maybe to create some leftovers as well. And, or this is what I'm going to have after I come back from that training session so that the food's always there. Um, and that planning then enables you to get make sure you get the right shopping in, so you've got the right ingredients, so you're not tempted to pick up the phone and call for a pizza. Yeah. And you know we're talking about sleep, Dave. You, you talked about when you decide to, when you're thinking about might might be having a, a takeaway. Do you find that that's when you are tired? Oh, yeah. And, and you tempt, yeah, and you're tempted to make a. You're tempted to make a bad choice, and sometimes you do. Have you ever reflected on why that might be? That some days you, some days you're rock solid and you prepare your own food. other days you cave in and order a order a takeaway.
1: Absolutely, and it comes up regularly with clients. It's one of those areas. Exactly what you said. Mm. Recognise the times when it's lower, and usually the combination for for us is Leslie's uh, got a long had a long day at court, got got a bit of prep to do on the night for the next day, Um, and um. I've had a full day, and energy's low, and it's usually oh, should we just? Mm-hmm. But you're right. So that having the stuff in, and also I think simplicity, because having a good meal. Once you get the hang of some of the basics, it doesn't have to be complex or t- time yep. consuming. One, one little lesson, we got the, you know, the, the HelloFresh Gusto box type things. We got them for a week. Mm. Um, and it was one of those things where it just refreshed us to think, wow, that didn't take much. And and look, at there was, wasn't that many ingredients there. So it's kind of rem- a reminder. So sometimes, uh, odd times, a little tip like that is to just refresh with that. And then take your learning from a week of Hello Fresh or Gusto or whatever the box is into it, because you only need about two or three different spices, don't you? It's, it's interesting how we often overcomplicate and think this is a massive job, and actually, ten minutes prep sometimes can have your lovely little meal, you know.
0: Well, and if you if you think about your life, most people have very similar breakfast all the time. You know, I, I usually have two two or three options that uh, we have. Toast sourdough bread, and I get it if if we don't make it ourselves, I get there's a Polish bakery just up the road from me, and so I get the bread from there, and I know the lady who makes it, and it's all used with traditional baking methods and minimal ingredients. So there's no there's no additives in there. Um, I might have an omelette with vegetables and some herring on the side, or some salmon and some olives and a bit of avocado. I might have scrambled eggs on toast, or I might have um that sort of you know what I call a high-performance human breakfast with the with the yogurt and the granola and the fruits, right? So, and those those sort of five in, those five things are probably interchangeable between breakfast and lunch, right? So one morning I might have avocado and and eggs before I go out to train, and then I'll have the fruit when I come back, and I might do it the other way around. But those those five or six things are interchangeable. Mm. In the winter, I might um, I might also make a soup that i can put lots of beans in and and then just keep heating up throughout the week so it's it's one one hit it takes about 15 minutes to prepare it you make a big bowl and then it's easy to heat up and put other stuff in um and then we probably have four or five go-to meals you know i might make mm. i might use a uh, slow cook is brilliant because that's yeah. something where you can just chuck all these simple ingredients in with some spices with some um with some stock and just let it cook and and i think when when we when we make a meal there's usually four servings so that's two evenings so we keep one back in the freezer for those evenings like you mentioned when you know you're going to be busy and you want to um you you want to have something quick to prepare but it's already prepared so a bit like blue peter davies what i got earlier prepared earlier in the summer i tend to make a lot of salads so i just throw a whole load of um salad ingredients into a bowl mix it all together um and i put beans in there now beans are great because you've got carbohydrates hydrates and proteins and if you're on a budget beans are fantastic you know bang for bang for your buck for nutrition and they're really cost effective and you can get them in a tin in water you know butter beans black beans haricot beans kidney beans we got the whole lot and we put them all in a pan and mix them around and then put spoonfuls in um quinoa is another good one Good filler, mm. carbohydrate and protein, and then we'll cook a little bit of. We might do some chicken. um We might boil some eggs and have an egg salad. We might um have some. Quite often we'll have fish and put put some fish on, so sea bass or salmon or something. Um, and it's honestly, it's really simple and um, you know making a salad in the summer is really sociable. So quite often Beth and I will sit there with the glass of wine, or she'll sit there and I'll chop up the salad and make it, and we'll just be chatting away mm. in the evening. So it's nice and sociable. Doesn't take too long. Really easy to throw together, yeah. um, and just get as many different colours in there as you can. Tick yeah. off, take off ten a, ten a day rather than five a day.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I think it, it, it is that forethought, and and I guess that, that's part of it. So I, I, I'm conscious we kind of haven't got on the sleep thing, but I think that, <laughs> that that's important, isn't it? They're right. all connected. They are. They are, <laughs> and you're right because if energy levels are low, and you then like cram a takeaway and it just it, it it makes you feel not great at all, really. But oh, you know,
0: let me let me oh. just let me just say there, Dave, that I'm no saint. You know, there's nights when me and Beth will go. Do you know what? Should we just have a pizza? <laughs> and uh, and to, to be quite honest, there's only one pizza place near me where I actually look back on it afterwards and think that was a good idea. Generally, when I've had a pizza, I regret it and think I should have just put a bit more effort in. So I'm I'm no saint. I'm you know prone to those same. Yeah. Um, same sort of they're not failings but same little challenges that everybody else's um but i suppose what i've taught myself is you know habits um that i can that mean i can prepare my meals most of the time but but when i reflect the days when i give in and my resolves a little bit weaker is usually when i'm tired which links us nicely back to sleep yeah
1: yeah no that's a good point and you know if you get it more right than wrong and gradually improve it over time you're gonna it, things are gonna mm-hmm. so the thing about sleep because we did talk about that on the on the first podcast and you you were obviously studying it. it's it's something obviously close to my heart as well do it quite a lot but what have you changed your mind on in sleep because that, that's an interesting way of maybe just getting caught is there anything you've changed your mind on around sleep or sleep hygiene sleep architecture whatever you want to call it in the last what well since the last podcast let's say
0: Is there anything I've changed my mind on?
1: Um, Or changed your approach to?
0: Yeah, um, so my wife loves sleeping and she's been encouraging me to go to bed a bit earlier. So um, what I've tried to do more, I understand now the link between alcohol and sleep a lot better. So if I, you know, I like a glass of wine in an evening, but I try not to drink it too close to bedtime mm because I've noticed from wearing a sleep tracker that 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 impacts on the quality of my sleep. Mm. I think it's a mistake for for folks to think that they have a drink and then they always fall asleep straight afterwards. Because the data shows that the quality of the sleep is not the same. Mm. Um, so, drink if I if I'm going to drink. Generally, I have a I have a glass of wine a bit earlier in the evening. Mm. Um, I've understood that um, the, your morning routine has a big impact on how you sleep. So, getting fresh daylight in. So. You know, I've, I think I've talked about the little routine I have in the mornings, but I try to get out and just go for a walk around my neighbourhood, even if it's five or ten minutes in the morning, so I can get get out and get some daylight as soon as possible. Uh, obviously, at this time of year when the sun's shining, it's much more pleasant. Um, um, there's some research now about the type of breakfast you have. If you have a fat and protein breakfast, you, you I think you get a better night. So they seem to seem to have found that you get a better night's sleep than if you have a sort of a high carbohydrate traditional western cereal style breakfast for nice. so us that's, that's quite interesting um you know little little daylight snacks throughout the day so two or three minutes outside if you're working indoors and then having a and then really working on that bedtime routine so maybe instead of just watching the telly and relaxing and then turning the telly off sort of turn the telly off a bit earlier do some breathing practice do a bit of stretching Go to bed earlier, or get into bed. Read. I've started wearing some blue light blocking glasses now when I'm wearing when I'm watching the telly just to see if that makes a difference. Um, and then things I've continued to do, you know, making sure your bedroom's cool, dark, quiet. Um, and uh, you know, I, one thing I have noticed, I, I started wearing a sleep tracker about six or seven years ago, and but I have noticed that when I wear it. I, it, I do feel a little bit more anxious about my sleep. If it tell if the data tells me I haven't slept and uh, very well, and it's telling me I need to catch up, and I'm not getting enough good quality sleep. But then I start thinking, oh, well, what, what happens if I get another bad night's sleep? And then I'm waking up in the middle of the night thinking, what's the data going to look like? So um, the sleep trackers are great for seeing patterns of behaviour and how they impact your sleep. But um, you know, a bit like with the constant glucose monitors. I think sometimes I think perhaps we wear them to give us the data we need, but perhaps we shouldn't be wearing them all the time. Um, you know, because you know when you've had a good night's sleep, don't you, you feel energetic and um, enthusiastic about stuff and on top of your game? And I definitely know when I've not had a very good night's sleep. Yeah,
1: That's an interesting um, one. I think, I think you're right. I've had one or two conversations with people around that, that um, yeah, it, it can create a sense of anxiety around it, which is... Mm. Outer productive so it's interesting isn't it um you, you you talked about the morning routine and I think it's, it's really worth underlying that because Duncan O'Brien has been a guest on on the podcast um he's a PT as well he's he, he's passionate about movement and movement in different ways and so he did a little po- he did a little um snippet for the 100th episode like you did so thank you for yours but one was where he um showed the looks he had the, the, the phone and showed the looks on the screen of being inside and then just stepping outside. It was quite a great day. And it was mm. startling, startling the difference in the, the brightness. And I think you, yes. this, this is the thing, because that, how does that help sleep? Well, you get outside, you get a bit of daylight in, in into your eyes in the morning. Well, what's that got to do with the night, the, the, the next night's sleep? So, I mean, if you want to kind of give us a thought on that, but how does that actually help? getting some daylight into your eyes first thing on the morning. How does that help with your sleep later on?
0: All right. So there's two um, chemical compounds that are, that are uh, involved in the sleep and the wake process. I hope I get these in the right order. Serotonin is released to help us get into that part of the circadian rhythm where we're waking up. <coughs> so actually, if you look at the sleep data, your heart, your resting heart rate starts to rise up in the mid part of the night Four or five o'clock um, so you're ready to wake up mm. um, and then you keep producing serotonin so if you get if you get outside early on in the morning you get a burst of serotonin um gets in the daylight gets into your eyes and i can't remember what the um is little, the little sort of gland that's behind your eyes that picks up all this but you produce a serotonin which is important for giving you this energy and enthusiasm. But towards the end of the day, um, the the body starts to produce more melatonin in line with your circadian rhythms, which are now setting up your sleeping for the evening in in line with the lights getting darker outside. And so the the more serotonin you can get in your body early in the morning, the better your production of melatonin later on in the afternoon to help you get to sleep better. Okay um so that's very simplified and so if there's any sleep scientists out there um i'm I'm happy to be corrected if i've got that slightly wrong but i think that's the basic principle is get out early in the morning you know take your sunglasses off five or ten minutes Mm. um get the sunlight in your eyes even i mean it doesn't have to be sunlight just just natural daylight and then keep getting that during the day and getting away from artificial light as much as possible and um just just reflect every day and see how you think that's impacting your sleep and it might work better for some other people as well but um you know when you've been away and you've been outside all the time and you think you sleep better uh, it's not a coincidence
1: yeah yeah no i think you're uh, you're right and and that even on a gray day that improvement in the light Mm. is generating that and it it kind of takes me i often think about it in terms of if you think about us the old caveman (laughs) analogy of you know you you've got to be safe somewhere safe you're static during the dark you're quite vulnerable So you are safe and static um which is where the the body settles down but as it becomes more light you're very visible potentially to predators so you have to Mm. move and i guess that's where the cortisol the stress chemical starts to build up in the day to allow you to get more um Mm. so it's kind of like you mentioned the blue light blocker so i'm interested in what your thoughts on that because the, on the morning get the light it's kind of mimicking let's get up and get moving and then on night we need the lower light to start that let's get around mm. the fire let's get settled yes. so much safe you know and yeah. settle yeah. so with the blue light blockers then because i some i've known some people who kind of wear them and they wear them all the time and i know that's counterproductive because that could can be can actually lead to depression but you wearing it i guess mm-hmm. on a certain time of night or an evening is that yeah yeah
0: i've just i've just started wearing them dave you know because we we like to watch a bit of TV in the evening. We might watch an hour you know, just depends on how long how, how quickly we finish dinner. But we like to eat dinner and finish by seven. If mm. we're getting into bed at 9:15 to, to read, um, that probably gives us an hour to catch up on something that we've been watching. Um, but you sit in this big, big screen television. Um, and you know, there's there's mixed research. I think some research says the blue light um late on in the day sort of conflicts with the you know the, the sort of sleep process and other people say that it doesn't it doesn't really so again it's an individual thing to find out whether whether it's actually going to benefit sleep and you probably only know if you're wearing a sleep tracker and see how much deep sleep and rem sleep you get um but i think everything is an experiment of, of one isn't it is to find out what works for you um i think there's also an argument that most of most of the uh blue light that we get now is from the artificial light. So, you know, when you go into the supermarket in the evening and they've got all these really bright lights on, that, that doesn't help with the sleep process. As you you mentioned there, you know, dim lights really help. Um, but also, if you're watching television, if you're looking at your phone, if you're looking at your computer, you're probably looking at things that are going to stimulate your brain and get it working and, you know, get the cogs turning around at a time when you want all of those things to be sort of, you know, relaxing and not turning over. So um, is it the blue light that keeps you awake or is it the things that you see when you look on the things that produce the blue light that keeps you awake? I don't know. Um, but so probably the best rule of thumb is try some blue light blocking glasses, limit your exposure to these things, and try not to look at social media and computers in the hour or two before you go to bed. Have a, have a cut-off time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, uh, some great points, and that idea of lit, dim light as well, isn't it? It's um, sometimes you're right. You walk in a supermarket, a bright light, but if you can put the warmer lights, the lower lights in into mm. the house, um, or to, at that time, that can be really useful. So it 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 it's, uh, sounds like really what we're trying to do is set the day up for good night's sleep. Yeah. Starting your morning with that intention, have those regular bouts of exposure to daylight during the day. Mm. Then we're starting to think about. Let's reduce that light exposure, but not just that. The stimulation—I think you're right. It's difficult because you're right. There's a bit of a conflict, isn't it? But, uh, it's not that conclusive. But the stimulation from TV, from apps, from work it is something that's going to stimulate the brain rather than help it settle down. Well, it's just—I I just think
0: it's—it's it's, it's the westernized lifestyle. We're, all, we're connected all day. We're on. You know, there was a time when you and I probably started our work careers that you'd, you'd turn up to work. You know, your first day at work, you'd be expected to be there at nine o'clock. You'd go in. There were regimented breaks. You'd have a coffee break. You'd have your lunch break. So the day was the day was carved up into little portions. Um You wouldn't want to stay in the office. Uh, you probably, probably there was definitely no computers when I first started. So you didn't stay in the office working at your desk. You went out, went for a walk, came back, and then at five o'clock, that was it. Then left your work at home and you went off, maybe you went to the pub, maybe you went home, went out to play football with your mates. And there was a very definite segregation then as life's gone on. there's There's been a blurring of the lines between work and play, hasn't there? Mm. Um, but also, I think, um, just Western society wants to give us stuff. So, you know, we've got Netflix and we've got YouTube and we've got access to these things. Because, again, when I was, you know, in my teens, in my early twenties, we had four channels, and they they stopped they stopped broadcasting at sort of eleven or twelve o'clock, and so there wasn't anything to watch. Um, and I, I know I, I don't know if you've seen this bit of research that they did. They, yeah, I know a lot of people say, "Well, I'm a I'm a lark. I like to wake up early and I go to sleep early." That's that sort of. I think I probably fall into that category. But then you get other people who say I'm a night owl. Yeah. I like to uh, you know I get up late, but then I like to I do my best work late on into the evening. They they did an experiment where they took a group of people out into you know the, the wild somewhere where there was no ambient light. So the only light you got was natural daylight. So and there was no street lights and they had a campfire and they weren't allowed to take any phones. So everybody was forced to, they woke up when the sun came up in the morning. They were outside all day. Probably, you know, following a hunter gatherer, primeval existence, and then in cooking their food around the campfire, and then sitting, chatting in an old fashioned way um, by the embers of the fire. And as the fires died down around nine o'clock, everybody turned in. And when they were, and the scientists were tracking people's sleep, and everybody was following a normal sleep and wake pattern of going to bed. Um, and sleeping from nine o'clock until the, until it got light in the morning, and all uh, this this was the people who were that were actually the larks who would probably follow that pattern, but also the people who said, "Oh no, I tend to fall, I tend not to fall asleep until one o'clock." Well, they didn't when they were out there; they fell asleep at the same time as everybody else, and that was because you know the, one of the conclusions is they'd removed all the western stimulus, and yeah. taken them back to nature. Yeah,
1: it's interesting, is it? Just, just, I mean, it's just so all around us that we don't notice that. And I think be, I think part of the takeaway message for me and, and hopefully listeners is just be a little bit more conscious of all of these things, you know, recovery, nutrition, but mm. particularly around the sleep. Yeah. Because it's just blur, it's in the background. We don't, it's so norm normal that mm we accepted and we've adapted without even noticing so how can we just make those shifts so i think there's some really good takeaways and I, and um i think s- some loads there i've certainly got loads actually just i feel a bit selfish because i pick your brains about me marathon training and recovery and whatever but i think it's been really useful actually because it is about recognizing the signs you know you've got to learn to sort of pay attention to yourself your own things whether you're tired hungry whatever um and then look at how you can tap into the, the natural processes that can help you get back to that set sort of equilibrium or get the most out of it, whether for me, it's that making sure i finish the marathon in one piece, you know, that kind of thing, but sleep better. So I think some brilliant things there. Um, so thank you, Simon, for your time. Is there any particular takeaway or, or, or contact, you know, anything that you want to shout out for yourself before we kind of wrap it up? Uh, we're going to have to have a part three at some point, because there's loads more we could talk about. Note down. There's, there's
0: always loads more, isn't there? There is. <laughs> I mean, to summarize all of that thing, I would say you picked, you touched on it earlier, Dave, about, you know, about um, just trying to make small adjustments, but but constantly trying to improve stuff. I, I, there's no need to go to town and try and drastically change your life overnight. In fact, we, we, you know, when you see people do this in new year and they've got the new year's resolutions, it always ends in failure because it becomes overwhelming. Mm. And, we, and we're going to have times when we feel like we failed, you know, when we've, taken a wrong turn and we've gone off the track and we think well that's it now it's all a failure because i made one mistake but like with the eating if if you generally for 90 percent of the time following those good patterns you can ignore them the other 10 percent Nobody, it's it's really difficult to be a, a, a saint all the time um and it's a continuum you know constantly trying what can i what can i improve this week maybe i can improve my sleep maybe i can get out and get a bit more daylight until they become ingrained as habits and then when when they become habits then you develop some new habits and constantly be looking but you've got to fit it into reality you know if you if you're trying to give up sugar but your best friend's having a party and they've got cake there it'd be silly to avoid the cake wouldn't it at a party or it'd be silly to avoid a champagne to celebrate somebody's 50th wedding anniversary by saying well i'm on the wagon because now you're missing out on a social occasion so you know, make make some small adjustments, but let it fit into reality and just, just think of the long term and uh, yeah. And um, you know, you ask you ask where people can find me. Um I've got a podcast, Dave. Uh yeah. people yeah, and this people listen to this podcast on my podcast and then are gonna be listening to it on your podcast because gonna share this. So mine is the High Performance Human Triathlon Podcast. Um, but maybe we can I'll just share my social media links and you can put all those in your show notes and I'll do the same for you, eh?
1: Yeah, great. That'd be magic. Yes. And uh, yeah, you do have a great podcast and I do recommend it. The High Performance Human Podcast, uh, folks, if you're not checking it out. Um, Yeah, some great content and ranging across a a lot of different subjects Some great guests on as well. So cheers for that, Simon. Cheers for your time. It's been brilliant, patched up again and uh, great to pick your brains as always.
0: You're welcome, Dave. And uh, good, good luck for the next 100 and I look forward to part three
1: sometime. Yeah, cheers, mate. Thank you.
0: So that was different. Thank you again to Dave for the chat and also for allowing me to share his podcast on my channel. You can find lots of the links to things we talked about as well as the link for Dave's podcast in the show notes below. To make sure that you don't miss any one of my episodes in the future, please go to iTunes, search for High Performance Human Traffic Podcast and click on the subscribe button. And while you're there and you have time, we'd love it if you can leave us a review of this podcast and you can also find a link for that in the show notes below so if you can remember back to the intro to the episode I mentioned the benefits of our membership program if you're interested in diving deeper into any of the topics we discussed the membership program allows me to provide more in-depth exclusive content programs so we don't need to have any of those paid ads and it's my goal to ensure that all of our SWAT members get back much more than the price of the subscription and so to that end benefits include access to a growing library of training plans for a whole load of endurance events including triathlon but not restricted to that and things like grand fondo cycle races ultra trail runs etc you'll also find programs in there to help you boost your mobility your strength as well as things like ftp for the bike or critical swim for the swim we also have exclusive mentor workshops every month and we're creating educational workshops on topics such as nutrition sleep and strength which go into a little bit more depth and take a couple of weeks to work your way through and we've got a growing range of discounts on partner products these are products that i use myself that i found myself and that i believe in and i don't get paid to promote them i do work with the companies because i like the people who actually produce these products so if you'd like to learn more and access the member only benefits please visit my website simonward.co.uk and click on the work with me button or you can email beth at the triathloncoach.com. If you're looking for me on social media, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and you can find me usually as Simon Ward or The Triathlon Coach or Triathlon Coach. That's all for this week. I will be back with another great guest in seven days' time, and hopefully, I will see you on that episode.